Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the county's inability to follow through on any of their plans to tackle homelessness even with unprecedented funding, how state lawmakers forgot to pay their art bills, and what to do with PGE's dire warnings of what's to come. Joining me on this week's News Roundup are CityCast Director of Newsletters, Brian Vance, and our very own lead producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, August 18th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Well... Guys, I, I'm gonna, I keep calling you guys like boys, men. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Dudes. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Brian and John. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Of course. It's always a pleasure, Brian um, and John. Oh. So as most people who listen know, at the very top, before we head into uh, the news of the week, I ask a, I ask a question um, to whoever is in the room with me the audio room with me. Well, before I, I start this question, I wanted to tell you guys something. I got a little a message from a listener about these types of questions. So it's the kiss, marry, kill, thruple question mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. I, that I tend to ask. So this is a listener slash friend. I got to say, you're playing kiss, marry, kill, threesome. In a thruple, all people are equal. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean. And I want to say that I in my head, was playing thruple, like it's an equal relationship. Right. But she was like, no, you can't have like a main married partner and then you add someone that's like, I was like, but if you're all living in the same house. So we had a back and forth. But what I'm saying is <laughs> when I say kiss, marry, thruple, I mean, it's a balanced relationship between three things. And my apologies to the thruples out there. I wasn't trying to minimize your relationship. Mm. I was capitalizing on the word thruple, though. I mean, it's a fun word to say. All right. Well, well, thank you, Amy, for that note, <laughs> for that gentle correction. All right. So kiss, marry, kill, thruple. Laurelhurst Park, Peninsula Park, Cathedral Park, Mount Tabor Park. Um, all right. I'll get this. I'll get this going. Um, and this is a tricky one. And I think it might just sort of like come down on geography relative to where I live. So, like, I'm going to kill Tabor. Oh, it's so far. Which I recognize is objectively controversial. Brian, I know you live right by. Brian is bummed. But, like, it's just far away from my house, and I hardly ever make it out there. So, like, just on on the basis of we're not going to be able to spend that much time together, whatever the relationship is, I'm going to kill Tabor. I think I'm going to actually kiss Peninsula Park. Got the roses, very romantic, little gazebo, like cute place for a kiss. Uh, and then I'm going to marry <laughs> Anthruple with both Laurelhurst and Cathedral. Because they feel like very sort of like different types of parks to me, but are also very 
wonderful cathedral. You're right on the river. You've got this beautiful bridge there. You can sort of sit out in the sun. It feels like a very like sunshine park. And Laurelhurst feels like a very shady afternoon park. So like by marrying both of them, we could sort of balance each other out. A little bit of light, a little bit of dark. I like it. Solid. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to start off with Kill. Uh, I do love Cathedral Park, but I'm actually going to use John's logic here. Like where I live, it's really far. Also, uh, every time I go there, I get bit by mosquitoes. So it's like, it's <laughs> oh, really no. kind of a... Uh, cathedral? In Cathedral, yeah. I've never been bit once. There's that murky part near the dock where like all the crap just oh, collects. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I guess there's some mosquitoes there. So every time I've been there lately, I've been getting a bit. Um, okay, so I will kiss Peninsula Park because, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's, you know, the original Rose Garden. It's it's beautiful. I've only actually been there like twice, though. So, you know. Hmm. Um, what? And then, yeah, I've only been there like twice. Brian, you're blowing my mind over here. <laughs> why we ask these questions (laughs) i'm going to marion thruple laurelhurst park and mount Tabor park but amy can get mad at me uh mount Tabor park is is my number one like that's that you know i'm sorry i'm gonna have a favorite in this thruple and and mount Tabor park is is the favorite all right well i'll kiss mary kill thruple um of course i'm gonna marry cathedral park i'm going to kiss Mount Tabor park i don't care if i have to drive 40 miles to do it i will kiss mount Tabor park there's a volcano there, John. I mean, <laughs> and pools that we can't do anything with. You can just stare at them lovingly on 103 degree days and and just be like the possibilities. I, I mean, that's flirtatious. I'll kiss it. <laughs> and uh, so I would marry Cathedral, kiss Mount Tabor. I would thruple with Peninsula Park because, really, to be honest, mm-hmm. I love them both equally. In and this is to Amy's point. I. I couldn't choose one or the other. I love them both so much. Mm-hmm. I would kill Laurelhurst Park, and I will tell you why. I find that pond upsetting. It's always filled with algae. I do get bit with mosquitoes around there, but yeah. I have heard that it's like, you know, I used to, I don't know, it was always muddy. I just, I think the shade worked against what I needed from a park, mm-hmm. I think. But I yeah. understand why. It would be cool on a very hot day. And why? And then there's like, you know, comedy in the park there. There's a bunch of cool stuff that always happens. Once I was walking around and someone just decided to um, freeze like penis molds. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, and they're huge. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we thought they were dildos. And it was like, no, it was like frozen penis mold with like glitter and all this stuff. And they were just laid wow. around all around the park. And we just tried to find them all. That is wild. Yeah. It does have a certain amount of like real, like hardcore Portland weirdness happening at Laurelhurst. Yes. I feel like all the like weirdos, that's like where they flock more than the other parks yeah. as well, which can be fun. And smack dab in the middle of like a very ritzy yeah. neighborhood that doesn't seem to actually appreciate that about the park. <laughs> no, so. Exactly. This was like a, I was forced. That was forced. I forced my hand there, you know. Tough choices. I get it. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you so much for playing, Brian and John. Uh, Brian, why don't you start us off with your news headline of the week? Yeah, so sorry to to start us off with a bit of a bummer, but my news headline is about another uh, stumble by Multnomah County in its uh, efforts to address the homelessness crisis. So um, Shane Dixon-Cavanaugh, friend of the podcast, recently wrote something about this vacant RV lot that Multnomah County purchased last August on 82nd Avenue with plans to turn it into a safe park space. Um, And by that, I mean car parking, not like, you know, green trees. In fact, it's all concrete. Um, 
basically, uh, they've done nothing. They put up a giant fence around it, and that was the last thing they did. Um, you know, his reporting dives into the fact that they haven't even filed permits to, like, break ground on the project. They've still not actually signed the contract with the nonprofit who wants to help them run the space. And it's just, like, another example of this county, which is flush in money. I mean, you know, over $100 million that they can spend just, like, pretending to go through the motions on everything and not really doing anything until they get called out on it. And it's it's just maddening because, like, there are homeless camps right around the ring of, of this property. You know, there, there are people right there who could benefit from this space. And it's just sitting there closed off and unused. And they don't even plan to actually move forward with it until 2024 now. So, you know. What? Yeah. Yeah. 2024 is when they're planning to, to move forward. You know, I remember a year ago, um, the county did well with the Move In Multnomah Initiative. But that was started, if you remember, guys, that wasn't started under JVP. I love saying JVP now. It's such a fun, yeah. <laughs> Which is Jessica Vega Peterson, the county chair. I got that from Sophie, a reporter at Glamour Week. That's what she calls her. And I was like, I was like, oh, I love that, JVP. Anyhow, um, when JVP started, the Move In Multnomah Initiative was, was, was happening. And it housed more than 200 households. People were just like, oh, she's doing a great job. But Sophie was like, ah. You know, it was uh, it was built on something. It was built on something that was there before, and that was like a lot of motion. So like, it took a long time, and then you know that yeah. happened. So there was a lot of, of of planning beforehand. Anyhow, everyone everyone was like, it looks like a success. But now we're hearing from some of the families that are close to being homeless again because the county couldn't follow through on some of the promises they made, and it's so sad because the money, as you said, Brian, is there. It just seems that their infrastructure isn't. Some of the county people that they've heard discuss it, um, are saying like, we, we don't have the staff. No, I mean, it's, it's something that the spokesperson that Shane spoke with for this story brought up was that there was, you know, there was staffing turnover, but like, we've been in the middle of this homelessness crisis for more than a decade now. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's so frustrating is like, this didn't start in the pandemic. This didn't start last year. This started, you know, three mayoral terms ago, um, a different man was in the the mayoral office. And like, I'm not saying that we should expect that we can like cure homelessness, but other cities in the same time span have done things that work way better. Um, Houston, a city far larger than Portland, has fixed a lot of its homelessness issues, has came up with solutions to provide housing. Um, for thousands of people. And it's like, we have the money. We we are literally funneling, you know, tens of millions of dollars into Multnomah County's coffers every year. And and they just seem to bumble every single step. And it's it's just maddening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I feel like this is the common thread that is happening in so many stories that we talk about on the show, which is sort of the city and the county, like pointing fingers at each other. And just like the the entire regional organization not being super great at putting these complex things in place, you know, I mean, at the same time, the city is looking at opening their shelters, right? There's one of like the Wheeler mass shelters that's finally open, but like, you know, the city is behind schedule on those and, mm-hmm. and and like also just like the funding for it like the city doesn't have the money to open even the shelters on its list of places that it wants to open and even if all of those things were to like get popped up and running tomorrow you know there's not going to be enough space even by 
They're, they're housing about 200 people each, and there's an estimated 6,000 homeless people in Multnomah County. So like even at the pace that we are moving at as a region, if everything was humming along, we'd still be behind, let alone all these delays. John, you just you just mentioned these, you know, we're calling them Wheeler shelters. It sounds like Obamacare, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the Wheeler shelters. Hoovervilles. Yeah, in in the city's defense, one is open, the southeast Portland. It is. And the county was supposed to provide half of the, of the services there. And they didn't. And they didn't. And they did it. And they fumbled that ball. And so to be honest, like when you're just like, well, let's talk about the cities and misgivings. And I'm just like, right now, they're looking real pretty. The That's city the is thing. looking pretty because they don't even have the money. And not only right. is the county not doing the basic stuff that they're like, don't worry, buddy, we're going to do that for you. But they're not giving any any reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. not answering questions. They're not answering questions. And there's just reports of like, and they have all this money. It's like, are they going on vacation? Like, where are they going with all this money? What's happening? Mm-hmm. They're putting it into a bank account. They, they want to increase the amount of money that they keep. In savings, which, you know, for an urgent problem. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They So they currently keep about 10% of all funds that come in through this, this tax that's raising all this money for the homelessness response. And they want to bump it up to 15%, which doesn't make sense because, uh, like, we need to spend this money now. You're yeah. not even spending this money right now. Like, you don't need to be worried about having a cushion 10 years from now. You need to be worried about how you're going to, to handle this problem today, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Well... What are you thinking, Brian? Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you, like, what's the solution here? But what, <laughs> what are you thinking? Like, if if you could get the county to talk to you, someone in the, you know, one of their spokespeople, like, what would you want to hear from them? Like, what would you want them? How do you would you want them to respond? I'd want a 90 day action plan. You know, like when you when you start a job, you often get like a 90 day plan. I want a 90 day plan from them on how they're actually going to address these issues that they've said they've been dealing with. Like, okay, you're saying staffing's an issue. How are you going to solve that? You're saying you don't have processes in place to start up county owned uh, shelters. So what are you actually doing to get those processes in place? It doesn't take three years to to do that. I mean, you know, I'm not saying these things should move at a breakneck pace where we're making mistakes and causing harm, but we also don't need to be so cautious that we're causing harm. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's the issue here is we're moving so slow that we're actually doing more harm than good. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> You're on sites, JVP. Brian just put you up there, JVP. I'm sorry. I just can't. I love saying that. I hope she really it's does. It's such a fun, it's punchy. fun yeah. initialism. It's just I, great. I yeah. really do want her to get this stuff together because I want to continue saying that. Yeah, it'd be fun to celebrate JVP. Yeah, it would sound really nice as a booster. Yeah. Like, yeah, go go JVP. Wait, go yeah. JVP. Yeah. Exactly. That's all we want. Well, John, what about you? What's your news of the week? Um, <laughs> I'm also talking about a misallocation of money, uh, but in a very different zone. Talking about arts funding. Uh, Rob Manning at OPB had a story this week about the Artist Repertory Theater in Portland. They just announced that they're canceling their 2023-24 season. They're just like, you know what? We're not doing it. We don't have enough funds. And part of it that they said is that uh, the House didn't pass a certain bill in the legislature that was going to allocate funding for recovery from COVID for arts organizations. And they needed that money, and that bill didn't pass. So that's sort of like the primer. But then uh, Nigel Jayquist came out with this really great article, um, Nigel Jayquist from Willamette Week, sort of looking at 
the legislature in total and some of the things that happened with arts funding. Uh, and the number that he puts on it is $252 million. That is the difference between what organizations asked for from the legislature and how much they got. There was more than $250 million that these organizations were like, hey, we need this money. And the legislature was just like, nah, we're not going to do it, you know? Not today. And, and it's not like the state's broke. The state has a huge surplus. They're kicking back $5, five billion. billion because Jeez of our Louise. kicker law. So there is money there. And then once you start digging into it, it's just like, all these crazy things of like how this came into be. Um, a lot of it centers around this thing called the Oregon Cultural Trust that was uh, established about 20 years ago uh, to try and fund arts organizations. Um, and there was a couple different ways they were planning on raising money, but a big one was by selling a bunch of sort of, sort of surplus state land from the Department of Corrections. Right. And they have been selling some of that land, you know, estimates that they've raised at least $33 million from selling this state land to then go into arts organizations. Um, but like up until this year, there's they're going to get some money from it. But up until this year, no money has made it into this trust from that $33 million worth of sales. And what they say is that the state cost for preparing the land for sale ate up those revenues. What? So basically it'd be like if you're selling your house and you spent like as much as you sell the house for on right. renovations and then be like, oh, I'm out of money. I'm Yeah, I'm not a genius, <laughs> but isn't there anyone, couldn't someone just look at those numbers and go, hey, look at these. These don't make, they don't make sense. Maybe we should have a different plan of action here. It is, it is what are they doing? Blowing. Are they like cleaning up nuclear radiation like that's like, the only thing i can think of that would would eat up that much money to prepare like a blank they're painting all the houses yellow like <laughs> and then repainting them again because they realize it was the wrong shade so. yeah like they're like oh that was so 2010 let's do an, a nice millennial pink now yeah. <laughs> why no, seriously what is going on i mean you know there's like a bunch of other things too like uh um Senator Rob Noss asked to allocate $200 million from the Oregon Lottery to uh, build an mm -hmm. endowment for the Cultural Trust. Right. Got turned down. Uh, he asked for about $60 million in recovery funding and, like, you know, capital construction bills. He got about, like, nine. Um, and then there's this huge list of, like, cultural institutions that requested a ton of money all got turned down. I don't know. It's like... We just survived a, a global pandemic that really reminded us the value of, of, you know, cultural institutions, of art spaces. And it's just it's frustrating to see that, like, our lawmakers aren't willing to put their money where their mouths are, because as John pointed out, like this, this cultural trust was actually established back in 2001 mm -hmm. and hadn't been funded in that entire time. Like and not because we haven't had the money. The other thing is they're not asking for like continual handouts they're asking to set up endowments mm -hmm. you know to set yeah. up an investment fund that would actually make money so that they don't have to keep coming back to the state so they're they're asking for like a one-time injection of capital to become more self-reliant more self-sufficient and and it's just frustrating to see that we had an opportunity to do that and we didn't because like what's what's going to happen over the next few years like they're going to have to keep asking for money we're going to keep not giving it to them and we're going to start to lose some organizations that do some real meaningful important work around building community. Mm -hmm. John, was there any uh, word as to why? Because if, if, if they have the money, it feels like either negligence or or there's intent, you know? 
I don't know. I mean, I can, I don't know the answer to that. I can sort of speculate on a couple of things I think it might be. Like, it's not uncommon for organizations to put like funding allocation requests into the state legislature um, and have those get denied. You know, it's been said that like, you know, Nas wasn't expecting to get all of that money that he, were, right. you know, it's sort of a bargaining game where you ask high and then, you know, get some compromise, compromise down. And, and like, I think that, you know, this might be a symptom of what we went through with the walkouts where, you know, the major legislation got pushed through, but some of these other things that, um, require a little bit of time on the floor, you know, just sort of got squeezed out of the process at the end to make time to make space for, all these other bills that needed to get through. Like I forgot all about that, John. Oh, this is why it's important to have that session because these <laughs> these little things <laughs> yeah. really add up, you know? Yeah. I forgot. You were just like, do you remember our legislative <laughs> session? I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> One yeah. party just like, you know, took an extended <laughs> mid mid-session vacation. Hey John, why why didn't the legislative session do its job? You're like, remember when they didn't do their job? Remember when like, they said we're not going to do our job for like several months, and then it's and like, then they crammed everything in like a week. And then like a high school student like stayed up all night like drinking yeah. Red Bulls and like passing laws. All right, <laughs> left yeah. and right. I, I'm now my, all my curiosity has been satisfied. It's like, like, oh negligence. All right, you know. And I guess the only other thing I'll, I'll say on this is like, you know, people. I think that there is this idea that arts organizations are sort of like this precious thing that like it's like a nice thing to have but like it's a little bit extra um no like they drive a lot of money into the economy yeah. they are like mm -hmm. major sources of tourism like these mm -hmm. are cultural institutions that like when they attract people like the the region is a lot healthier and like you know some of the cultural institutions that got denied for their funding requests like the Oregon Symphony the Portland Art Museum the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland like these are like really big institutions and like even the Shakespeare Festival which I think people in Oregon think of as one of our like crowning cultural jewels, it almost didn't make it this year and had to have a huge fundraising campaign itself just to finish its current season. So yeah, I just, it's not just like, oh, it's so sad that like the art projects aren't happening. It's like, no, these, these are the things that make up our region and it's important that they're healthy. Yeah, no, no shade to Ashland, but it's like outside of Oregon. How many people actually know of Ashland because of Ashland? They know of Ashland because of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Like that is the impact that these institutions have on our state, on our communities, on our economies. They're they're huge. They're they're vitally important. Yeah. I, I will say also I am a little bit worried, um, especially with some of the Portland organizations. Usually if the state doesn't the city will come in. Not anymore. We're in flux with how that's going to happen. Oh, Who, who's that? Who's that's whoops. a different story altogether. But right now, I'm just like, oh man, the Portland Art Museum didn't get money. Where's I going to get money from? <laughs> you know? Kickstarter. I know. Everyone to the gift shop. Right? Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine? You have a site Twombly. You have a site Twombly in your building, and you're like begging for money. <laughs> that is a capitalism kind of like break your brain kind of thing, where you're just like, yeah. nothing makes sense anymore. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, let's take a quick break here. Uh, and when we come back, more headlines of the week. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So my headline of the week is uh, is about PGE. It's about the heat 
uh, I'm sure people have seen heat. What's this heat you speak of? Yeah, <laughs> different versions of this it was story. Hot around. This week, what? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't know. But um, so PG is pretty much telling us to get ready for not having power. But not just that. Not just this week. Like, hey guys, this week there might be outages. But like, this is going to happen more often in the coming years. Like, John, do you remember? Uh, like last year when St. John's had a string of outages and both of us had to work from Slim's for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time it was fun. The second, third, and fourth time, not fun. <laughs> we were just like, all right, we get it. You know, I don't even think it was in the summer, like, it, but it was definitely weather related. Um, so here's some advice for the next time we need to work out of Slim's, not only from PGE, but also the New York Times and also some like general Googling because when PGE put out there like, hey guys, consider these options because this is our new normal, I wanted sources. <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> Show <laughs> like, me your facts. I know, I was like, where, where else, you know? But the reason I like dug in was because I didn't realize that it's, it's an inconvenience to some, like John and I, <laughs> you know, but it could be life-threatening to others. Like for one, if your medical needs re require electricity, that means for medical sure. equipment like oxygen, insulin in your fridge, iron lungs, I don't know, like health-related stuff. You know, I didn't know this, but like PGE has a, a medical certificate program that you can enroll in and they help you create an emergency plan for when there's an outage. Really? So that's oh, a resource I didn't even know. So just heads up, that's out there. Um, they're also uh, saying to have an outage ready, like an outage kit ready. And have you have you guys heard of this? These types of kits? No, but it's like we we live in the Northwest, and ever since I moved here, I've heard of the importance of having a go bag for earthquakes, of mm -hmm. having a go bag for wildfires. Now I have to have a go bag for <laughs> electricity outage. <laughs> I, clearly, I just need to like go to REI and buy a bunch of bags. Oh my Is it God. just like a portable fan and like ice cream sandwiches <laughs> and dry ice? No, for sure. Like, I hate that we're getting closer to a not like an Octavia Butler future uh, every passing year. You know, I'm just going to be over here grinding acorn flour and like categorizing <laughs> seeds in my to go bag. But so, so I looked into these kits because I was like, how, like you just said, Brian, like, how is this different from any other emergency kit? And so these kits are essentially just like every other emergency kit. So you could probably just add to your general kit that you got going. But PG says to have flashlights or headlamps. Like, yeah, check. You know, you need that. Yeah. yeah. Battery or hand-powered radio and fans. And I was like, check. Don't didn't have the fans. Okay, thinking about that. All right. Extra batteries. Yes. Car chargers for cell phones and electronic devices in case, you know. And I was like, oh, that's pretty smart. You got it, yeah. Same thing, bottled water for people and animals. If for some reason you rely on an electric pump, like water pump, which I didn't even know that stuff existed. That sounds awful. Um, frozen cold packs or water frozen in bags or plastic bottles to keep ready in your freezer and a portable cooler. An outdoor barbecue, gas grill, camp stove, plus fuel. And I just feel like if you're an avid camper, like you're set. You already have a lot of those. That, yeah, that's a that's yeah. a weekend out, you know. Um, <laughs> they also uh, mentioned to have a backup plan on how to stay cool in case your power goes out, especially if you have medical needs that rely on power. What I've just been told is that if the, if the power goes out, it's like pull everything out of the freezer and barbecue at John's house. So you should just come over. He'll oh, fire hey. up the grill. Hey, that's actually a great plan. <laughs> I love this plan. It'll be good. You bring the electric fans, we'll be set. Actually, John, on that tip, I the other thing that they put is uh, 
is food safety. Did this yeah. happen to you guys with the outages that the outage happened then like your food rotted? I have definitely had that happen before. Like growing up, we lost power for like two weeks at one point after an two ice storm. Weeks? Yeah, two weeks after Brian. an ice storm. Midwest, baby. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, everything everything went bad. Like we even had a, a generator, but like the generator was being used just to like power certain things and like uh, heat and stuff like that like heat exactly yeah. like because oh we God. had electric heat wow yeah so i didn't know that i don't know if this also applies to the midwest possibly not because two weeks oh my god but pge actually has these programs where you can get refunded for for food that was spoiled because of their outage they've got all these things i've never heard of I this, is, this is actually really cool <laughs> mm -hmm. so you have to take pictures of the spoiled food Right. And and here's the here's the catch a receipt so <laughs> oh no I know saves their like Shoot. food in your freezer well, that's impossible <laughs> never mind then but no check this out we'll check this out I had literally just gone to Costco the last time we had like a nine hour outage John and my freezer was full of like steaks and lobster tails. Like I was like really Ooh, living it up. Look at you, ritzy Claudia. I was treating myself. This isn't an everyday thing, guys. Like I was just like, ooh, 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 you know? And then outage. <laughs> <laughs> and it all goes. That was so sad. And I was like literally Googling like, how, what? Like this oh. can't be real. And found the program, sent them. They, they replaced everything. I'm not sure if you can negotiate if you don't have a receipt and you just have pictures. I don't know. But um, the last tip, of course, that they gave was a backup generator, which like, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be great if you can <laughs> afford it. Their, their last tip is a floating <laughs> castle in the sky <laughs> that can never be touched by. <laughs> just like create your own power plant. They're like, and have you thought of maybe plugging into a different electrical grid is like their other uh, <laughs> just <before> yeah <laughs> yeah final tip don't rely on us yeah <laughs> oh my god but for the renters and people without generator money uh i don't know so i'm not sure how practical that is uh, but this is a strong case for investing in solar panels and battery storage if you do have the means so maybe you can be like a cooling hub for your friends well but it it goes back to what uh, y'all were talking with Monica about in an earlier episode, you know, climate resilience. Like it is, you know, it's about you can't necessarily stop the fact that you're probably going to lose power at some point, but you can start to do things that make it so you suffer less, you know, mm -hmm. and and not all of us can. Not all of us can afford that because these things aren't cheap. But if you if you can maybe do that instead of, um, I don't know, buy a new iPad. Yeah, well, well. I mean, on, on a sort of positive note, when we were thinking about talking about this story, I was like, it's not just Oregon that's been hot. The entire country has had a hot summer, but we haven't heard about those rolling blackouts as much as we have no. in other places. You know, like California had major blackouts last year. Like Texas has had big sort of uh, heat-related brownouts. And, and that, to my ear, hasn't really happened this year. And I was sort of wondering why. And I sort of did some looking into it. And like what experts think is that like we're actually getting better as a culture at diversifying energy sources, um, right. that there's a lot more wind and a lot more solar coming online and especially uh, higher levels of hydroelectric power because of all the winter rain that we had out here. All of that is now flowing down the mountains or has been flowing down the mountains and is powering electric uh, generators at dams and is is leading to like this surplus of power. So 
like maybe we're sort of at this point where like even as the summers get hotter, we are seeing these like little things paying off um, in ways that are kind of encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, PGE recently got the second largest um, battery storage installation in the country. Like they just brought it online. So like, nice. yeah, we are we are getting better at um just preparing for stuff like this. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for that uh, little injection of hope there, John. Yeah. Um, let's keep it rolling. I feel like when we do these headlines, it can get a little dour. <laughs> we just leave the rest of the day being like, oh. Um, so John had an idea, which I think we should definitely try out. And he was like, hey, why, why don't we end it with like a, a lightning round of of wins or something good that happened to each of us and we could share it, you know, if you feel comfortable and I'll start us off just so you guys can think about your thing. But, um, I recently started taking sailing lessons and it's, yeah, and it's so not cool. the sailing lessons themselves that I'm like, Oh, it's so cool. You know, but it's literally something I've wanted to do since I was like a teenager. And, right. and of course it just took a long time for me to be even have like the kind of money to be able to just like throw it at something like that. Um, but I still didn't do it. And it, and this is the part that I'm very grateful for is I have friends that kind of just like produce my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I have my friend Tiffany was just like, we're doing it. I want to do it. And she just like took care of everything. And I just it was like kind yeah. of a eye opening realization of like, if you want to do something, you should just do it. I know that sounds silly, especially if you if you have mm. the means, even if you're just like, oh, I just I'm not used to spending this much money on something that's like silly, you know. Aww. So I don't know. I hope this inspires. If you want to take sailing lessons, if you want to learn how to rock climb, if whatever, and you have, and you do have the money, you just know you, you can't eat out maybe for another week or two. <laughs> just do it, yeah. you know. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, actually, mine is water related. Mm. So oh. uh, after listening to your episode all about paddling on the river. I decided to actually go take a paddleboarding class because the one time I had tried paddleboarding before, I spent the entire time falling off the board. I never actually stood up. So I took a class last weekend. I can now paddleboard and <gasps> I bought a paddleboard and I'm going out this weekend. So that yeah. is so cool. Oh my cool, gosh, right? that's awesome. I feel like the the sucker for not having any new hobbies to brag about, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to sort of give a, a shout out to the Sandy Hut for their 100th birthday, and they're having like a giant block party on Saturday. They say there's going to be a 40-foot purple gorilla there. I don't quite understand what that Why? means, but hmm. that's what it says. Uh, and then some like pretty awesome Portland bands are playing at the Sandy Hut on uh, Saturday. Roselip Bone's going to be playing. Red Fang's going to be playing. Um, I, I just think it's cool because, you know, I, I feel like Portland's often feels like a place that doesn't have like super deep history compared to some other places. Right. And it's just like kind of warms my heart to see these old institutions still kicking after a hundred years. That is cool. Yeah, I feel a little bit better. Right, I'm so excited. Maybe one day yeah. I'll sail by you. You should race. And I'll be, uh, I'll wave and then I'll fall off the board accidentally <laughs> yeah. because you know, <laughs> yeah. I took my eye off the ball. <laughs> then I'll be like, sorry, Brian. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, y'all, for hanging out with me this morning. Appreciate it. Mm, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the show, share it with a friend or leave us a good review. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producers this week were Julia Fioioni and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our newsletter editors are Rachel Monahan and Adrian Gonzalez. And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound and All the Kimonos. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs> <laughs>